This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Amber. And I'm Jessie. And this is Glowing in Tech. Powered by Makers. In today's episode, we are joined by Aneni, who is a robotics engineer. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hello, ladies. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Can I just say that? (laughs) Um, Yeah, about myself. So I do a range of different things. I'm a creative technologist. I'm a robotics engineer, like you said. Um, Recently a filmmaker. (laughs) And I have a company called Anime and Chill. We do anime events in the city. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a wide variety of things you do. I don't know how you have the time to do all of those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'd love to hear kind of what interested you in robotics, how you ended up doing that, because as I understand it, you're still studying at the moment. Yeah, so I'm studying my postgrad in data science, Mm -hmm. um, but I'll talk about how I got into robotics. So I was one of those kids that used to take things apart and put it back together. Like mm-hmm. I always say the story, like a toaster would go missing, a kettle would go missing. And my mom would be like, what's going on? Like, we don't have much money. Where's all the electronics in this house? And it was basically me um, taking it apart and trying to figure out how it worked. And I didn't realize at the time that I was reverse engineering, right? Like I was trying to see how it worked. I was just a very curious kid. And then, yeah, I was doing that for like maybe from the age of like three or four, like from pretty young. And then when I was about five, um, my mom took me to a flea market and like we we didn't have much money. Mm-hmm. So like I would get really excited to see like toys that people were giving away like for cheap. And I was, I was like, let me see what I'm going to find today. So anyway, I'm there and um, there's this black doll. Mind you, this is the 90s. So like there wasn't a lot of black dolls. Like there was no black baby born when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, so. I see a black doll. She's got hair like mine, mm-hmm. um, about one meter tall. And the doll could actually like walk and talk. It wasn't like the best. It was oh, very like robotic. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was so mesmerized. And I was like, oh, mom, can I have it? I think it was like a tenner. So she's like, yeah, yeah, you can have it. And then, um, yeah, I think from seeing that doll and the fact that this inanimate object could kind of move and yeah. had some semblance of life, I was like, this is crazy. Well, I don't know what this is, but I want to build stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it looked like me as well just made me even more like, okay, I was meant to be in this flea market yeah. at this precise time, buying this precise doll. And my mom had the exact amount of money. So I was like, yeah, this is what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, since maybe like five, six, I've always wanted to be a robotics engineer. I've not wavered. Like, wow. so yeah. <laughs> It's crazy from when I was a really, really um, young age. And um, I just started shaping my education in a way that I would be a robotics engineer. So I did all the sciences and things like that along the way. And my mom supported it as well. So that's, that's how I got into robotics. That's really, that's really cool. <laughs> so what does getting into robotics look like in this day and age? Like what did you do at A-level that would make that would mean that you were able to kind of make that a reality? I think for A-levels, like, pretty much any sciences is fine Um, most universities will accept you just having even a chemistry background or maths background so at a levels I ultimately did maths IT and chemistry I believe it was such a long time ago Um, chemistry physics and I think that's it I think that's I think that's Mm -hmm. what I did Um, but also my kind of 
I guess, way into, into engineering was different because I did my high school in Nigeria. Oh, so like, yeah. it's a bit mixed. It's a, I don't know what it would be like now for yeah. someone who's born in the UK, well, who lives in the UK. Um, but yeah, I was born here. And then when I was like, honestly, 12, my mom shipped me away. She did the whole like, oh, here you go. You're going on holiday. I was like, oh, I did not come back. Oh. <laughs> but you know what? I, I don't, it's not a bad thing for me. Like it was such a good moment for me because I was very, I was very British and like I'm being Nigerian is a huge part of who I am. Yeah. And I just had no like affinity. Like I didn't know anything about Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So going back um, and also being raised in South London, I was in the hood and I was, there's so many distractions and just things like, that if I'd stayed here, I probably would have been like a teen mom or a drug statistic or gone to jail. Like I was really going down a weird path. Um, so I think going back at that age, like I really just, I needed it. Yeah, it's a formative it was, yeah. age, isn't it? And to yeah. have that experience where you got to, what, from what I hear, from what yeah. I understand, like you had the opportunity to focus a bit more on your education. Exactly, well, they put me in boarding school oh, and, wow. and the school's there, they don't play. Like it's, <laughs> it's not like boarding school here where it's like, oh, Pasha, you ride horses. Uh, <laughs> it's like, if you mess up, if you disrespect the teacher, you're like cutting grass outside in the middle <laughs> of the night or like you're getting spanked in your booty. Oh, <laughs> oh. So I needed it. it. I got that discipline that I think everyone knew that I needed when I was here and I was just a bit reckless um yeah so the way I did it I just did like pretty much every single GCSE that you could do mm -hmm. um because nature is quite intense they make you do everything so that when you go to the western world or wherever you're going for uni you're overqualified yeah and so it's harder for people to turn you away right or to say oh no international students um but then I also did two years of college so after doing all of that and technically I could have gone straight into uni um, I actually applied to MIT and I didn't get in because I didn't have enough social activities. So my grades oh. were high enough, but my I didn't have, because it was so competitive, Yeah, they were like, oh, but you're not like a prefect and you're not this and you're not oh, that. Really and I'm like, I literally got all A's in my, IG, my well, IGCSEs. Mm -hmm. um, I got all A's and I still can't get into MIT. Yeah, so so it, it was a bit wild. So I came here and did college because that meant that I could do if I did college for two years, then I could go into university as a home student because mm -hmm. uh, I was born here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just pretty much did all the science seed, A-levels, and I did maths as well. Mm. And then when you went to university, what, how did you decide which university you wanted to go to? And secondly, how did you know what you wanted to study? And what did you study? Um, okay, yeah. So I studied robotics. So I'm, like, I'm pretty consistent. Yeah. <laughs> but when I was five, I was like, yeah, this is all I'm going to do. This is like, I'm not going to uni and doing like mechatronics or some variation yeah. of robotics. I'm doing robotics. So after not being able to get into MIT, I was basically looking for like, what could I do in the UK? What university could I go to that I absolutely love? And I'll get that robotics knowledge that I need. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the only option really for me was the University of the West of England. And they're actually the best robotics school in the country. Well, to me anyways. And um, I absolutely love UE. And so, yeah, I, I didn't have the grades. Like I said, I had a BCE. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But you know what? I went, I wrote an, a letter to the admissions and I was like, do you know what? I know I don't have the grades, but I've always wanted to be a robotics engineer. I'm so passionate about it. Um, please give me the opportunity to prove myself and to show you that I belong here. And they were really moved by it. They were like, okay, you don't have the grades, so we're not going to work magic. You got BCE, like maybe a ABB, we could have done something with that. But BCE, no. Uh, but we like you. So even though the foundation course is kind of full this year, we're going to give you a spot. And that's how I got onto the foundation course. And that was general engineering. So I get onto that and it's like, 
amazing. It's probably the best year I had at university, actually. So many different girls, guys, so many people from all over the world um, studying all different types of, or they wanted to be different types of engineers. And I was just really like encouraged. I was like, wow, okay, this is what the engineering world's going to look like. It's going to be so diverse. Um, yeah, it was just, it was really cute. I really enjoyed that year. Passed it now. And then it's time for robotics. It's time for the big gun. So I'm like, okay, I'm going into robotics. First day I go in, I'm an alternative babe, a little bit of a rock babe. So, you know, I've got like bright silver platinum white hair almost, you know, <laughs> I've got the septum piercing. Like Jesse, I see your septum piercing. <laughs> I've got the septum piercing. I've got like thigh high socks. I've got boots on, go-go boots, thick chunky boots in the sole. And here I am walking in with my little skater skirt and I look around, I'm like, mm, ain't nobody look like me. Mm -hmm. like, Am I in the right place? Like, ooh. And I think they were looking at me like, are you lost? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not lost. I'm actually meant to be in robotics. Um, and so I sit there and very quickly I looked around and realized that I was the only black woman. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, it's, it's day one though, but let's keep going. There were two other girls, I believe. And I was like, okay, at least I've got, you know, I've got some girls here. Best believe when it came time for group work, these girls did not want to work with me. Mm. Um, yeah, they they had like they had the guys that they go to. And it also being a black female, I feel like there was an element of like, why is this girl here? That I find in, in hardware engineering, there's a sometimes, not all the time, there's a weird competitiveness between girls. Yeah. Where it's like, because I'm already a minority, I'm the only minority that can exist here. Yeah. Whereas there yeah. should be like a sisterhood and we should come together and be like, listen. There's three of us in this class and we're going to dominate and we're always going to do group work together and be better than boys, you know? But that wasn't the case. It was like, you're black, I'm not black. I'm going to go and be with the people who look like me, mm -hmm. even though I, we're different genders. So there was a lot of that. And I could tell like the girls particularly looked down on me. They were like, because they weren't, they weren't girly girls. They, they were pretty much the unfortunate stereotype that we have of engineers. They kind of looked like that and they loved that look. And I was like, but I love you the way you are. So why can't yeah. you accept me the way I am? That's really tough. It was it was weird. It was weird. But as the years kept going by, I didn't see them again. So I don't know what happened. You know, so after all of that microaggression and not wanting to work with me, where are you now? <laughs> where are you at? Where, where you're not? We're waiting. So, um, yeah, I just didn't see. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they like transferred schools or did placement years. I don't know. I just never saw them again. And then, um, yeah, at one point it was just me with like 20 white males. And I was like, okay, this is a bit crazy. I'm hoping that, you know, it's just because robotics is still quite a new course. You know, it's, uh, it's quite futuristic as, as much as like a tech course can go. And um, I kind of knew that from when I was a kid that it's, it's going to be a futuristic course. Part of the reason I actually wanted to study robotics is because I was like, mom, I know we're poor right now. I know we ain't got money. But listen, in 2072 or whatever the year is, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be like one of the people that actually know how to build the robots that are flying around. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be one of the, the first people, the pioneers of, of being able to do this kind of stuff. And we'd always joke about it, but like behind the joke, I was like, yeah, yeah. I want a job that's going to secure me for the future, yeah. not for now so much. And mm -hmm. I just kept that mentality as I was like growing up. So here I am in the class and I'm thinking, okay, do you know what? I, I can see it. When I would tell my black friends that I'm a robotics engineer, I'm studying robotics, they'd be like, mm, it's kind of weird, but I like you. So I'm, I'm going to accept it. Mm. But nobody, like they were like, how did you even go there? Like how, how did your mind go there? And being Nigerian as well, it's like 
but it's not like something for a man. Like those, they have those stereotypes where men should be engineers. Now, not so much. Now they want the women to, to be do engineers, really? engineers, doctors. They, they want it all. But um, back then it was like, like my teachers from high school would be like, don't study robotics. Like it's not for you. Like just choose something else you're good at. Anyways, um, so yeah, microaggressions were happening from the students and from teachers. And I just felt like, oh, you know, nobody wants to work with me in group work. I'm struggling. They come to class. I want to ask questions. When I ask questions, the students and the teachers, not all, and it was only a very few teachers, um, but they would make comments and jokes like as if, oh, you should know that. You're in your third year and you don't know that. Like, and I'd be like, oh, okay. So I'm not going to put up my hand again because oh, y'all obviously think I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. um, it's bad enough that when I walk in with my, my boots and my outfits that I hear Snickers and I hear, you know, I'm hearing people like giggling and making little comments, but I ignore it. So, um, yeah, imposter syndrome kicked in. It kicked in real heavy. And I was like, is this really meant to be for me? Like, am I, am I meant to be here? Because it shouldn't be so much of a struggle. Mm -hmm. My friends, I had friends studying law and all kinds of really cool game design, all these different subjects. And they were so happy. They were like, oh my God, ladies, let's go for like lunch after the course and uh, after the module, let's go and hang out in the cafeteria and all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, ain't nobody want to hang out with me. So... Um, and that would continue. And ultimately in 2017, um, I just couldn't take it anymore. Besides the fact that, you know, I was dealing with all these microaggressions and probably even a little bit of like sexism there and racism and just feeling like I don't belong. Um, the course is not easy. Robotics is, is, is robotics is, I, I always say like robotics is, is like, it's like a double edged sword because you learn a lot about a lot. So it's good in the sense that by the time you leave and you graduate and you've got that knowledge, you're super qualified. You you can go into different rooms and be like, I know how to do that. I know how to do that. I know I know how to do mechanical design. I know how to use like hardware software. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. But at the same time, when you're studying, um, it can be a bit overwhelming if you don't have that support because you're, it's so much knowledge and so many things that you can feel like wow, I'm, I'm kind of drowning under the amount of work. Um, so yeah, that's how I felt. And I got an email randomly from the Institution of Engineering and Technology, and they were like the Young Woman Engineer of the Year Awards is coming up. And these awards are for like girls between 18 to 35 who are doing exceptional things in engineering. It celebrates them. And so I was like, I don't really want to go and see girls happy when I'm so miserable right now. Like, I just want to drop out and call it a day and that's it. But I was like, do you know, I have one year left. Like, this is my last chance. I'm going to go to this and I'm going to see what it's going to be like. And so I go to the awards begrudgingly in 2017. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go. And there I am, I'm sat in the audience and um, Carol Vorderman is speaking and Dr. Anne-Marie Imafidon is speaking, Dr. Shini Samara, like exceptional women, exceptional, exceptional women. They're speaking about their experiences, about microaggressions that they faced, about imposter syndrome that they had. And I'm like, you had imposter syndrome? Like, Carol Vorderman had imposter syndrome? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, ooh, I, I, girl, she is fire. And every time I see her, she always looks hot. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you? She was like, yeah, I wanted to have like a pilot license. And as I was studying and doing my training, like people would make comments and trying to put her down. Like, well, why is Carol Vorderman trying to learn how to fly? She had that engineering mind. And, you know, Dr. Shini Samara, the same thing. And Dr. Anne-Marie Imafidon, same thing as well. They all experienced some type of like, people just making them feel like why are you here mm -hmm. but they you know they persevered and look at them now they're amazing so that gave me 
the hope and the motivation that I think I was lacking from like the teachers and from the classroom and people that I was around that just gave me the the fights where I was like, you know what? I am meant to be here. If, if these ladies are all doing really exceptional things now, but once upon a time they felt like me, they're living proof that things get better. Mm. And um, yeah, I just kind of used that moment to be like, God, if you let me graduate from this course, me and you, God, this is, this is between us now. Mm. If I graduate, I'm going to do everything I can to get other girls into engineering and to not just like get them into it, but to keep them in it as well yeah. and make them not drop out. I'm going to use every resource, every power that I have to just make sure that they, they believe in themselves and that they know that they can do it. So yeah, that's how my story went. And um, after that, I graduated and I was like, okay, God, now me and you, <laughs> I can't take it back now. <laughs> uh, and I've just done everything I can to really be visible and to show that like representation is important. And if you are a black woman or any kind of woman really thriving in STEM, doing anything, you need to be visible. The young girls coming after you and like who are doing the things that you're, or want to do the things that you're doing need to see you. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's so good that that came around just in the nick of time really for, mm. to give you that boost you needed to yeah. get over the line. And I think it's like testament to why these award shows and just like mm. anything that gives recognition and celebrates achievements of women are so important because mm. you never know who the audience is and who's exactly. gonna see it and how important that is and was to you in that moment. Exactly. So um, yeah, I'm really, really glad that happened. When you were in your final year, how did you navigate applying for graduate schemes, internships and stuff like that? And what's the general process that someone could expect to go through in terms of wanting to be a graduate robotics engineer? Yeah, so I was looking online and I was searching. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Like, there was, if there's like 20 people in my class or 25 or so, there was probably like three, four roles for graduates in robotics at the time in the whole of the oh. UK. Yeah, it was back then, it was, it was pretty terrible. But like I said, the beauty of robotics is that you can learn, you, you learn a lot about a lot. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, I'm not limited to robotics. And I was like, do you know, what? I just need to get into the industry. Luckily for me, while I was actually studying, I was doing different tech roles. I had different jobs. Um, I was a desktop support engineer for a big company called Teleperformance. So I was, I was doing things in the tech world. But yeah, I just didn't, I couldn't get robotics roles. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? So um, a few people in my class obviously got the roles. Uh, Dyson is a big company. Dyson were looking for graduates and ABB is another big company that um, hires for specific like junior robotic engineer roles. But apart from that, there wasn't much. So I was like, okay, the next best thing, let me be in a role where it gives me a foot in the industry, but I'm actively like working on my skills and getting better. And also I wanted to leave Bristol. So I was like, mm, I kind of want to go back to London. So let me see what's out there as well. So I was just applying to anything and everything. I applied to be a Python programmer, um, uh, a welder. <laughs> yeah, because I have that knowledge now. Welding is like putting, joining metal together and like building metal. Yeah. Oh. Like I applied to, I was a hardware engineer as well, design engineer, FPGA engineer, like so many oh, different wow. types of okay. like anything and everything. I was like, I just need to get in and I need yeah. to get into something that's hardware based because um, I feel like then like the skills are transferable to a pure robotics role. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's what I did. And um, eventually I landed an internship at an automotive company. Mm. And that's kind of, that was my real, I did, I had other jobs before that, like a few random things here and there, but all still within the tech 
like the relevant tech world that I was in. Mm-hmm. So like at one point I was a data analyst and robotic process automation engineer. Ooh. Which it has robotics in the name, but it, it's not robotics. You know, <laughs> when, when people say, "Yeah, I'm an RPA engineer, I'm a robotics engineer," I'm like, I don't want to burst your bubble or be like a little robotics gatekeeper. But that's not robotics. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not hardware, you know. And I'm really robotics is hardware. So, but I did that as much as I say this now. I still did the RPA job, and um, because it was Python based and very heavily Python based and analyzing large amounts of data, now I knew later on that would still help me in a robotics role. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, before and then after that, I got my internship, and yeah, I got my internship in computer vision. And that's my favorite part of robotics. So it just kind of worked out eventually. That's really nice. I'm glad that you managed to get that. And and how did you find it once you were there when in your internship, trying to find ways to get into gaining that experience? What was that like? My internship? I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> how honest should I be? Um, I enjoyed the work. My management was really bad, really bad. Um, when I first got in, I think the company was in a very tense time where they had deadlines that they had not met. Mm-hmm. And there was pressure from the higher ups to be like, by this day, we need this algorithm ready to go in this car. It needs to be able to park and drive itself and do all this stuff. And we've given you like, you're like six months behind or something. So me joining, I was like, I was really excited to join, but I kind of felt like they weren't. <laughs> I kind of felt like they were like, I feel like they, okay, hmm. I have to word this correctly. <laughs> I don't want to say I was a diversity hire, but I felt like one. I don't I don't know the truth behind my hiring, mm-hmm. but I felt like it because I was literally just told to sit there. Just days on end, I would just be there sat. And I was like, I want to I want to work. I actually want to do something. I've moved all the way from I think I was in London at this time. I I've moved from London to Burgess Hill the middle of nowhere <laughs> like i i listen <laughs> listen i was like why could it be brighton man um and i want to i want to work i'm here to learn there was nothing like they, they just didn't have time for me so me being the kind of person i was like listen i survived uni this is not gonna defeat me me and god we have a covenant i told him i'm gonna get girls into stem i can't get girls into stem if i'm not a girl in stem myself so i was like okay i'm gonna just use my tenacity here and just speak to people mm-hmm. so i would go up to colleagues and be like oh i'm really sorry to annoy you i hope i'm not like bothering you but what are you doing and a lot of people were really receptive you know so as much as maybe my management wasn't the best my colleagues were amazing and they'd be like oh okay um Today I'm making a computer vision algorithm and another colleague be like, oh, I'm working on the hardware in the car. And I just thought to myself, do you know what? I'm here and I'm doing all this. I should probably make a record of this. Mm. And that's essentially how I started the tech over online uh, because I just felt like girls need to see this. Like nobody knows that like women are in this industry and there were women on my team as well. Not black women. I was actually the only black woman in the entire building of 500 people. But there were women on my team and they were women from all over the world. Like uh, one of my favorite colleagues is from Iran. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she's, so you can imagine she's probably had similar experiences in, in like, you know, women shouldn't be engineers and shouldn't yeah. do this. So, but she was excellent, brilliant woman. And um, she was so eager to help me. Probably she was a lot older than me, but probably because she's had similar experiences as well. So I could just tell that she had this like sisterhood. And that's what I was lacking in uni. So I really embraced all of that. And I made a record every time, like while I was there, day one, this is what we're doing. Day two, this is what we're doing. And eventually that kind of built into my Instagram, the takeover. That's incredible. And it's so important as well, because I think 
unfortunately your experience as an intern of kind of being seen a little bit as like mm. oh we don't want to invest in this person because they're not here for very long we've got mm. deadlines to meet that can happen mm. and interns can get left behind but mm. you took the initiative and you were brave enough to ask colleagues yeah. and to shadow people mm. and you turned it into a positive experience it might not have yeah. gone that way had you not been so mm. tenacious so mm. yeah that's really cool Thank and then you. what was as you were starting to document it and post things online the tech over started to take off and what was yeah. the kind of response you were getting as a result yeah, so um, like I was saying, I was I was doing the hundred day of code, <laughs> the infamous the infamous hundred day of code. But I switch it up. I was like hundred days of hardware. So here I am, like you know, and we had you know, okay. Day one, I'm like, yeah, making the computer vision algorithm. Day two, oh, we're learning about obstacle detection, and um, t Instagram became like my online diary. I know that's not really what you're meant to use it for. You're meant to look at pretty pictures and all that. But I was like, no, I'm going to post about what I'm up to because I was kind of lonely as well. Like there was, yeah. there was nobody there that I could kind of relate to. I actually feel like I was the only black person in Burgess Hill. I don't know if you've been to Burgess Hill, but there's <laughs> not some believe. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of black people. Um, it's, better so now, it's better now. It's better now. They, I think Amex, I think American Express is in Burgess Hill. So <laughs> <laughs> they've got... Yeah. <laughs> so they, they've they've got a bit more people coming in now but ooh, back then so anyways here i am and i'm just documenting everything putting it online and i didn't think anyone cared because before that my content was very like typical instagram like me oh here i am in a pretty dress today here i am doing this here i am doing that and once i started putting in that content and i put a few other things i put in like animes that i was watching and games that i was playing and mm -hmm. If I'd go to a coding meetup, I put that up as well. If I was going to like a, a workshop on how to learn JavaScript, I'd put that up. And so the more and more things I actually pull up, the more people were messaging me and DMing me being like, oh my God, this is amazing what you do. I'm so happy that you show the realistic side of it. I'd even put up like my errors. I'd be like, guys, today, this is what I'm doing. I don't know what I've done wrong. It's been like two weeks now and this code still is not running. Is it like what's going on? Am I the problem? With social media, especially <laughs> with COVID. yeah. But do you know what? It's so crazy because I didn't get negativity from that. I didn't get people being like, "Oh my god, this is why a girl shouldn't code." Yeah, that's good. I got like, "Oh, this is what you did wrong," and it's weird. I I suddenly had this like family that had developed from Instagram. It's like the same kind of group of people that I'd never met. Don't know who they are different genders not just women just people like oh this is maybe if you try it this way it could work or maybe if you try it that way and they would be right and I was like oh I got me a little tech family because yeah. now I always tell women that are struggling or feeling like they don't believe in tech or they should sorry they shouldn't be in tech or like they don't belong I always tell them if you feel that way don't give up if you know that that's actually when you want to do, like what you want to do don't give up find a network mm -hmm. find a community find people who when you have those days when you're like, oh my God, 100 days of code, I'm on day 20 and I should really finish this code. Like, you know, <laughs> have that accountability partner that's going to be like, girl, mm -mm, you said you're going to do this every day. What's going on? Like, why are you not done it today? Um, and just have people around you because you, there's probably a lot of people around you who feel the same exact way that you do, but you're just not speaking to each other. Yeah. yeah. So for me, Instagram was that. Like, I'd be like, oh, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. And people just really helpful. And um yeah, I got myself a little family and then I'd have other people messaging me like, oh, what did you study? Where did you study? Um, how can I get into the company that you're working at? Like, I want to work there too. I was like, child, I don't know if you want to work here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to help you get into the industry. I'm going to help you get into robotics and, and things of that nature. 
so yeah that's um that's how that went and um i did i never finished the 100 days of code yeah did i don't know any of us <laughs> how many rounds have you done <laughs> maybe three rounds but i did get to day 30 yeah i think i did a round of applause for day 30 check on her twitter <laughs> Let, let us know. Not the she, not she the check it. on the Twitter. Check on the Twitter. Do you remember you said, <laughs> said, you <laughs> Now you're trying to see she can't be saying day five to thirty. <laughs> Did a four loop. <laughs> um, oh my god. Yeah, but I also think that's an important thing. Like I love that you got a good response from posting mm. errors and talking about things that you didn't know because I think yeah. so often we can only see the good bits yeah. and, and social don't. media does that to you. Yeah. It's funny that it, it they do it in the tech world, but they also do it in like real life with just pictures. You see mm. girls who are like you know that they've had some modifications done now but they look perfect and look so pretty and then you look at it and you're like oh I don't look like that like yeah. I must not be the standard of beauty yeah. because look look at this really crazily gorgeous woman um with this unrealistic body and you just feel down about yourself and it's the same thing with tech on social media it's like oh yeah so here I am coding and my code just ran in five seconds mm -hmm. and coding is so easy everybody be a coder and it's like no a lot of us in the tech world don't actually like to code. Like, can we can we talk about that? A lot of us don't like to code. Um, but there's this whole perception that if you can't code, you're less than an engineer of, that you should be. Yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, it was really nice that I had such a positive experience. And all those ops online, they obviously didn't find my page. <laughs> 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 Good. Yeah. Stay off your page. Yeah, honestly. But, yeah, it's great that, um, that they were even able to help you. Do you feel like yeah. you were able to get that support within the organization? Like, do you find that when you're working for corporate companies that you had that dedicated support system or people that you could go to when things weren't working? Or did you feel a bit isolated and alone when you did have issues? In the, when I was the intern or any company that I've been in? I guess like in the context of you being an intern, yeah. No, I had no support, like no real support. I actually, um, after maybe six months of being in this team and realizing like it's been six months I'm in a whole city by myself I'm quite young as well like I feel like you know I have no family here like I need I need support yeah. you know and there was there's no women network in Burgess Hill <laughs> where you can just be a part of it and like chat to after work so I was like um there's only so much asking colleagues and trying to get stuff from people when they're busy as well that I can do so uh, I would walk around the company. I'd just walk around to all the different departments. And then I went to the hardware to that side. And I was like, do you know what? I've been in software. I mean, I was kind of working for a robotics company because you know, a car is a robot. At least the cars these days are robots. Um, but I wasn't doing the stuff I love, which is building, like mm -hmm. taking things apart, putting it back together, understanding the science of how it works. I was doing computer vision algorithms, which is how the robot sees and how the robot perceives its environment. But I wanted to do more. Like I wanted to look at the wheels and be under the bonnet and all of that. So um, with me with myself, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the hardware department. Mm. I go there. The team is in shambles. Like there's a big disconnect between the, and this often happens in companies that have an element of hardware, where there's a disconnect between the software and the hardware team. Yeah. Um, the software team makes, does their code and they make the algorithm or whatever they're, they're working with in software. And then the hardware team makes their machine or makes the mechanical part or electrical part, whatever they, they're doing. But then when it comes time to put the two together, something just doesn't click. It's like, oh, this is not like calibrated to fit that. And the code isn't really optimized for this. And there's always a disconnect. So I was like, I've been in this team for six months. I've learned a lot. Um, I'm going to go pitch myself to the hardware team and see if they will hire me. Like they'll take me on to be an actual hardware engineer who can kind of sit in between. Um, 
and yeah, I pitched it to them. And then plus like, my manager from the software team, he, he was like, yeah, you can go if you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay then, she, yeah, I'm good to go. I, I will go then. And I pitched myself to the hardware team and they were like, yeah, we could use someone like you because we're too busy to be running back and forth up, upstairs and downstairs between the two teams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I joined the hardware team and I was the only, well, now I was the only woman on that team um and the only black woman uh whereas you know I've, I've left my fellow ladies from the software team and i've gone to hardware and i'm learning so much again in the hardware team and uh i just felt like do you know what this is really what i'm meant to do like this is what i love to do mm-hmm. and that's pretty much where i stayed for the remainder of my time there um but even my management there wasn't wasn't great uh it was it was pretty much a boys club and me being the only woman now coming into their very small i think they had one of the smallest teams and that's quite common in companies tech companies hardware team is always small because nobody cares about hardware but hardware's arguably one of the most important anyway so yeah uh i'm here in the team and it's kind of a boys club and they're like oh we can't talk about certain things now that he's here like all the lads the lad banter and all of that and um yeah, it was for me. It was it was really good. Again, my colleagues were amazing, and I learned a lot from them. But management wasn't really great yeah. either. So, in terms of that specific company, even when I moved from like my internship into like my hardware role, I still felt like, yeah, I, what am I really doing here? I still had to create work for myself, and um, kind of really use that tenacity and be like, okay, take initiative, girl, and find things to do. That's it for this week's episode of Glowing in Tech. Thanks so much for listening and make sure that you like and subscribe and let us know what you thought of Aneni's story. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode, so please do let us know anywhere you're listening or across our social media channels so that we can include your comments as part of our community comment section on next week's episode. And that's at Glowing in Tech on all social media platforms. Available on all major podcast platforms. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.